world was profoundly affected by COVID. And there was a, a common and persistent question that emerged. You'll remember, it went like this. When will we return to the way things used to be? When will we return to the way things used to be? When can we expect a return to the familiar? I long for a return to the old normalcy. I heard this a lot. It will be years before we see a return to the customary state of affairs, back to normal. Is it, is it God's will to bring us back to normal? Have you thought about that? Is it God's will to return everything to the way it was? But isn't that the cry of our heart when something goes wrong? We start referencing the way it was and we want it to go back to the way it was, especially if it's a bad something or a negative something or a broken something and we want it to go back to the way it was. What if God doesn't want to return it to the way it was? <laughs> What if what's happening is meant to prepare me for something greater? What if what's happening in this darkness, my dark hour of the soul, is meant to be a doorway and an opportunity into a whole new realm of light and provision and love? Joseph didn't return to Canaan. He stayed in Egypt. Paul didn't revert to his former privileged life as a prominent religious leader. Jesus endured a brutal death, but then was resurrected as the firstborn among many. <laughs> Resurrection is our model, but we forget, so is death. Dark nights, brokenness, go going through difficulty, which leads us to resurrection it's a pattern don't pray to get out of it yell in the midst of it yell the praise of God yell the victory of resurrection because your morning is coming let me ask you a couple of questions are you uncertain about your future do you carry profound regrets about the course and results of your life does the potential of your future hinge on the assurances of your present? Do you have to be sure today before you can trust for tomorrow? Do you have to have a promise right now to believe that God's doing something great tomorrow? Are you persistently preoccupied with others' opinions and judgments of you? 
Do you frequently sense that you're not reaching your full potential? I know a guy like that. I know a guy that fits all five of these. Let me tell you about him real quick. Joseph was born to Jacob and Rachel, and he was the favorite son of his father. Jacob gave Joseph a special coat, often described as a coat of many colors, which further fueled his brother's jealousy. Joseph's brothers, overcome by jealousy, plotted to get rid of him, and so they sold him into slavery to a group of traders who took him to Egypt. Imagine that. Your family members selling you. Such spite, such they despise you so much, they hate you so much, they're so jealous of the treatment you're getting from your parents, preferential treatment. They sell you. <laughs> in Egypt, Joseph was sold to Potiphar, an Egyptian official. He served faithfully in Potiphar's house and gained his trust. And then he began to prosper. And he was put in charge of things in Potiphar's house. But then Joseph's integrity while it led to being in charge of Potiphar's household he was eventually falsely accused of sexual misconduct by Potiphar's own wife and then he was thrown into prison again it's like he rose and then he goes into darkness he rises and then he you know his father loves him and everything's great he gets a coat of many colors and his brothers hate him and sell him he gets to Potiphar's house. He wins his favor. He's second only to Potiphar. He's running his house. And his wife accuses him of sexual misconduct. And now he's in a dark hour again. Do you see the pattern? And we pray to get out of the pattern. Stop praying to get out of the resurrection pattern that God's put into place that even Jesus had to go through. So he's thrown into prison, and in prison, Joseph displayed his God-given ability to interpret dreams. He accurately interpreted the dreams of two fellow prisoners, and later, that proved crucial because Pharaoh, over all Egypt, right? The, the Pharaoh had troubling dreams, and one of Joseph's fellow prisoners remembered his ability to interpret dreams, and so Joseph was summoned to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, which he did successfully. And Pharaoh then appointed him as a high-ranking official in the kingdom. Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams predicted seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. During the years of plenty, he stored grain for the upcoming famine. And when the famine struck, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt seeking food, and they unknowingly encountered him. Joseph revealed his identity and forgave his brothers, leading to a tearful reconciliation. So even them, they go into a dark hour, and yet God brings them to the very point at which they had violated God's love and character. And does God stomp them? Does God send them to hell? Does God burn them forever? Does God judge those brothers in his family? No, he redeems them with forgiveness and kindness and love. Judgment is never punitive. Watch this. Judgment is never punitive. It's always redemptive. 
God's judgment, God's love, God's loving discipline. So Joseph invites his entire family, including his father Jacob, to settle in Egypt and escape the famine. And so that marked the reunification of the entire family. Isn't that amazing? You may be feeling a decrease in progress in whatever it is that's going on for you. Whatever in your life, your career, your finances, your but rest assured there is a greater meaning and a divine blueprint for your path. Rob Bell said this, all the wondering and wandering, it was all good even when it wasn't. All the wondering, what's going on, God? Why are you doing this? Why does this? And then all the wandering, like getting out of faith, missing the mark, getting off the path, making some bad decisions and going for years, feeling like you're without God or God's judging you or what have you, all of that dynamics going on. And all of the wondering and all of the wandering, it was all good. It was all good, even when it wasn't. I love that. You have to think about it a moment because it's not, it's not normal to say that and to think that way. But it was all good. It was all good in Joseph's life. His wandering, his wondering, it was all good. And it brought redemption and healing and wholeness. So Joseph's life is an example of circumstantial wandering. Why? What wandering and wandering are you going through? That's why he's there as an example of your own trials, your own tests. So what's going on in your life? I bet you're in places, some of you are in th experiencing things that you never imagined you'd, you'd, you'd have to go through. My mother lived to be 101. She was never in the hospital and never on any medication. I'm in my 60s and I'm wrestling with a degenerative disc. Why, God? Well, my wandering and my wondering, they're all going to lead me to a place of redemption and resurrection. I know it. I know it. And I might have to do some shouting and I might have to do some praising. But it's coming. It's all good, even though it's not. Are you listening to me this morning? You know, this is a charismatic church, so it's okay to say amen. You, you can shout. Yeah. Right. I want to give you five key considerations as you're going through your wondering, your dark nights of the soul. Number one, you are not a victim. Joseph didn't play the victim card when his family members sold him. He didn't claim to be the victim when Potiphar's wife pursued him. Joseph didn't claim to be the victim when the butler and the baker forgot about him, left him in prison for years until Pharaoh had his dreams. Number two, Asking how, not why, will position you for provision. Missed a good place to say amen. Maybe you're processing what that meant. 
Asking how, not why, will position you for provision. So dump the whys. Why, after all this time, am I here and not where I expected to be? Why did this individual uh, I trusted treat me like this and treat me the way that they did? Why did they say the things that they said? Why hasn't this dream, this expectation come about? God, didn't you promise this to me? Why? <laughs> Why? We have to change those whys into hows. What am I talking about? I believe Paul speaks to this issue. Watch this. Philippians chapter 4. Now, I, I, every time I say that, I can hear my wife <laughs> when I say watch this. Because every so often, I think maybe strategically she prays about it even. She'll bring this up to me. She said, do you know how many times you said watch this in your message today? <laughs> And actually, there's nothing to watch. It's like a, it's like a virtual watching, right? It's, it's, I'm trying to get your attention. I want you to, I, I want you to watch this that I'm about to say. So it's a, it's a verbal watching. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. But I rejoice with a deep and holy... See, I think this is what Brandon was doing in that song. I rejoice with a deep and holy joy that now at length... You have revived your thoughtfulness for my welfare. Indeed, you have always been thoughtful for me, although opportunity failed you. I do not refer to this through fear of privation. For my part, I have learned whatever my outward experiences to be content. I know both how to live in humble circumstances and how to live amid abundance. I am fully initiated into all the mysteries, watch this, of both fullness and hunger. You can't pray darkness away. You can't pray negative things happening away. You can't isolate yourself in this faith bubble like nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. So Paul doesn't shun it. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't put on this faith triumphalism and this mask pretending that everything's great because of faith. He kept his faith in the word of God. He said, I'm fully initiated in all the mysteries, both of fullness and hunger. Listen to me. Being hungry... All right, that's just a picture. That's a type. That's a shadow, all right? It's a mystery. Man, when I have a stack of bills and things are out of order financially, it's a mystery sometimes, isn't it, for you, <laughs> right? Over in the Middle East with Hamas and Israel, this thing has been going on for decades and decades and millennia. It's a mystery, some of it, the evil that's behind it. I do not understand sometimes. I don't understand how my mother lives to 101, is never goes to the hospital, didn't need to go see a doctor, was never on medications, 
and I have a degenerative disc at 60. What? That's a mystery. And Paul said, I'm fully acquainted with that. I'm acquainted with, and so what, what's he, why is he using the word mystery? Because it's not important to drill down and ask why. It's not important. It's not about why. It's about now, what do I do in the midst of this? Like Brandon in his song, Gratitude. I'm going to yell out in praise and worship. Like Paul here. He says, in the midst of fullness and hunger, of abundance and want, I have strength for anything through him who gives me power. It doesn't change my relationship with Jesus. It doesn't change the power that I have. Verse 12 says this, I am fully initiated into all the mysteries of both. Okay, mystery of both. So, let me give you a couple of hows then that you should be asking. If, if, we're, if we're not going to ask why, but we're going to ask how, I call this navigating the mystery of why. Everybody say that. Navigating, navigating. the mystery of why. Okay, here's how you do it. Number one, what can I do to find deeper rest? See, I'm not going to ask why this is happening to me. I'm going to ask what can I do to find deeper rest in the midst of this that's going on, Jesus? Right? Number two, how can I align with your divine will? Let me ask you something. Did God have a divine will for Joseph when he got sold by his brothers? Did God have a divine will even in the midst of Joseph being accused of Potiphar's own wife of sexual misconduct and he was pure of heart did God was God still there was he in that was he moving did he have a purpose yes so I'm going to stop asking why and I'm going to start asking how can I align with your divine will number three in what ways can I support others lightening their load that's a very special how. Something supernatural takes place when you give yourself to helping others in the midst of your own darkness. When you're going through difficult times, you're helping others. I want to remind you of what Rob Bell said. All the wondering and wandering, it was all good, even when it wasn't. Number three, I told you there's five things. Number three, your table of provision and increase is in the presence of your enemies. God does not remove all of your enemies before he blesses you. Now, watch this. Here's a psalm, and we all know it. We all say it. It's like the favorite psalm, right? Jeff's going to put it up here. But we just have somehow missed this particular verse, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Does anybody recognize that psalm? Yep. What is it? Psalm what? 23. How's it begin? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh, right? 
He, yeah, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads my soul beside still water. Yada, yada, yada. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Look for the opportunity. Look for resurrection even in the midst of the darkness that you're struggling with. Kevin Vestazen in a message that he ministered here talked about the caterpillars cocoon right you know caterpillars spin a cocoon do you know how they get out of it to become the butterfly they poke a hole in the end of it they, they poke a, a hole in the end of the cocoon and light starts filtering in and that light starts bathing the new life that's in there called the butterfly. And the butterfly gets stronger and he begins to wiggle and to move. And what was once a worm is now freed to newness of life because of the light that comes in the smallest amount, just in the end. And Kevin said, in your darkness is the birth of your new life. Nina and I went through such significant losses coming out of 2018 with the church and attendance and losing our space in a shopping center. We were full-time in ministry. We went back into, each of us got, you know, secular jobs, quote, secular jobs. COVID hits. Oh my, I mean, this was like the perfect storm. And in the middle of that storm, listen to this. I had something happen regarding our home insurance. So I get this bill. It's, it's actually a... It, it's not a bill to pay, it's that notification you get of what your insurance is going to be, how much it's increased for the next year. It increased from 4700 to 5400 <laughs> the insurance on the house. And, and so I called, and I disputed it, and I said, something's not right here, watch this. And the agent said, Jeff, this isn't right, I see, I see that, let, let me look into it for you. And she did some looking around and poking, and she called me back and said, you know what? I can get you insurance for $1,800 for the whole year. <laughs> now, if I hadn't called, if I hadn't seen that little bit of light poking through the end of my cocoon, if I hadn't believed that it's more important to ask how, then just why is this happening to me? And just pay the 5400 Oh, God's not blessed. God's moved on. What sin did I commit that my bills are so high? See, your table of provision and increase is in the presence of your enemies. Then I looked at the car, and I decided, well, I should bundle it, right? Because you get better rates if you bundle your home insurance with your auto insurance. And so I got this idea. I'll, I'll call the auto insurance agent, and say, you know, I'm not happy with my policy. And they said, well, let us see what we can do. 
And in the meantime, Ed Aubrey said to the home insurance people, you know, take a look at this, and, you know, if you can bundle it, that'll, that'll be great. And they did, and that was going to be in that 1800. So the auto insurance people called me back and said, well, no, we can, we can beat that rate. That, that You know, what part of it is the auto insurance? We can beat that. So I called the home insurance people back and I said, I can get a better rate with my auto insurance from my present agent. And the agent on the phone doing the house insurance said, well, that, you know, that doing that's going to break up the bundle and it's going to make the insurance more expensive. You, we've all heard this, right? right? Okay, you've heard that. And I thought, oh, man, probably 100 more, 200 more dollars. She said, let me call you back. She calls me back. I said, give me the bad news. She said, well, your rate's going to go up $15 if you don't have the auto on there. (laughs) (laughs) And then the auto insurance agent calls me back with a final estimate, and the auto insurance came in at $89 less a month for the same two vehicles. And all this started with a negative letter that my insurance rate was going up from 4700 to 5400 See, the death of your present will give birth to your future. Paul said that these are mysteries. Mysteries of fullness and hunger. And that he lived independent of them. Verse 12, Philippians 4, verse 12. I am fully initiated into all the mysteries, both of fullness and hunger, of abundance and of want. Now, can I ask you to stop doing something? You ready? Can I ask you to stop doing something? Favor, positive developments, blessings. I feel God's presence. And all that equates to, I'm achieving success. (laughs) You know, when things are going right, you have favor, and there's positive developments, and blessing, and I can feel God with me. I must be having success. But if there's challenges, mysterious obstacles that arise, substantial tests, that all equates to failure. How, How am I doing here? Right? Isn't that what we do? You know why? Because we have a faith that's linear. Stop perceiving life as a straight line, associated, associating the lows with failure and the positive outcomes with blessings and success. Stop doing that. Let me draw you something here. Find it camera guy camera guy you all see that that's how most of us live when we say well I'm living by faith well no you're not you're living by if everything is working okay for you if everything is positive, if, if it feels like, if you feel God's presence, then you say, I'm being successful. Then God's close to me. You know what that is? This is new birth, 
to resurrection. This is kind of how we see it. We want everything perfect from our new birth in Jesus to our resurrection. But that's not reality. And it's not what Paul taught in the gospel of grace. Let me show, let me show you what Paul taught. my Holy Ghost camel. <laughs> we don't live in a linear life. We don't have a linear faith. Life goes up and down. Faith goes up and down. And success in God doesn't look like positive developments, blessings, I feel God's presence, it's all great. It looks like challenges and mysterious obstacles and substantial tests and trials. See, I know you came to church to hear this today. See, I know that. That's right. That's why I came to church today. Number five. I told you there were five. I told you there were five. Have no, I have nothing to prove. God has not left it to me. He's not left us to ourselves. The Bible tells us it's even his faith that we use to live daily. We're told that Christ lives in us and the life I live, I don't live by my faith, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. It's even his faith. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. Watch this. For so far as I am concerned, I have come to learn in the circumstances in which I am placed to be independent of these and self-sufficient. I know, in fact, how to discipline myself in lowly circumstances. What's he saying? I stop asking why, and I start asking how. Where is God in this? How can I enter more rest? How can I serve others? I know, in fact, how to discipline myself in lowly circumstances. I know, in fact, how to conduct myself when I have more than enough. It's ebb and flow. Sometimes I have more than enough. Other times, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Let go of the attitude of triumphalism. God is not your cosmic CEO. Shut up. The narratives of Moses, Joseph, David, Jesus, Paul, and Peter embody a life of mystery with a complex web of trust and defying of linear trajectory I got born again and bam I'm just on a victorious triumphal walk nobody's life in scripture modeled that so stop 